Looking forward to one final, but missing out on another. Welcome to Hand the Pod. Welcome one and all to episode 391 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and this week I'm joined by Andres. Hello, welcome. English Dan. Hello. And Tony. <laughs> Let's go again. Hello guys. And Tony's dog by the sound of it. Yeah, I have three, so. Woof. Woof. <laughs> a dog somewhere. It, it, it's a hark back to the very, very early episodes of Hannah Pod uh, this week, and then we're going to have dogs interrupting, apparently. He's done me one better. I only had two. So. Indeed, yeah. Um, <laughs> since we last recorded, let's go over the results in the championship stage, the decisive round of the championship stage, um, which has set up the final that we're now going to have, I think, this weekend. Um, those were Argentinos Juniors 2, Boca Juniors 2, and River Plate nil Independiente 2 on Saturday, which confirmed uh, that Boca were the winners of Group A. Um, later on the, in the weekend, in fact, it was the next day, Arsenal got a 1-0 win over Huracan. Those results mean that the final standings for Group A, if anybody cares, which no one does, but I'm going to give them to you anyway, are Boca on nine points, River on eight, Argentinos on eight, but with slightly worse goal difference than Rivers, Arsenal on seven, Independiente on six, and Huracan on three. In Group B, uh, the results were Banfield four, San Lorenzo one, Gimnasia nil, Atletico Tucumán one, and Colón one, Tacheres two, which means Banfield top group B with 12 points, Tacheres have 11, Gimnasia have seven, Colón, San Lorenzo and Atletico Tucumán all finish on four points. And the final is, I think it was the general consensus um, that we predicted last week is going to be Boca Juniors versus Banfield. In the participation round, um, the results, as, as much as anybody might uh, cares about them, were Lan. Is this the fifth round? Yes, it is. Uh, were Lanus two, Rosario Central nil, Union one, Patronato two, Racing three, Newell's Old Boys one, Belles Sarsfield three, Godoy Cruz two, Estudiantes one, Central Cordoba two, and then yesterday evening, um, in a match that was frankly slightly silly, Defensa y Justicia four, Aldo Civi. Four. Uh, that result meant that Defensa y Justicia lost out. Uh, they would have qualified, I think, if they'd been able to hang on for the win because, ah, no, their goal difference wasn't as good as Rosario Central's, in fact, so they had to win by uh, much more. So they, they didn't lose out, fortunately, for them. Uh, but Rosario Central finished Group A with 10 points. Lanús have eight, as do Defensa y Justicia. Union have seven. Aldo Sibi and Patronato have four each in Group A. 
And in Group B, Vélez Sarsfield finished top with 12 points ahead of Newells on nine, Racing on eight, Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero on five, and Estudiantes and Godoy Cruz on four each. Um, what this means is that those two group winners, Rosario Central and Vélez, will play a final. Oh, OK, here it just says they're going to play a final for the uh, Sudamericana 2022 qualification. I thought they were playing a final to play off against the losers of the other final for Sudamericana 2022 qualification. Uh, does anybody know whether that's right or wrong? As far as I know, it is, yeah, they'll play this first game and then they'll go on to play the loser. Yeah, that's that's yes. what I've understood to be the case as well. Um, what we do know for certain is that on, oh, bloody hell, 10 past 10 on Sunday night. Fantastic. <laughs> Why do they... What kind of kickoff time is that? Boca Juniors will play Banfield at um, 10 past 10 on Sunday night in San Juan to decide the winners of the Copa Diego Armando Maradona. Um, do we have a date yet for what did I say the other one was? <laughs> for the other final? Saturday, I think. Tomorrow. Oh, okay. It's not showing up on Universal Football. That's I'm guessing because of the delay in the Defensa Justicia game, but I imagine it was Good only going to get yeah. pushed back if somehow Defensa Justicia won by eight goals or however many goals they needed. Yeah, they, let's see. They finished with a goal difference of zero and Centrales was plus six. So they would have had to win, well, presumably by six goals. Presumably that would have given them enough goals scored to finish ahead on on goals scored if they've managed that. I mean, they did a good job of scoring the goals. They just uh, forgot to, to, stop, to stop conceding them. Indeed they did, yeah. Um, and of course, they were slightly distracted by the, the fact that they just played a Copa Sudamericana semi-final first leg a couple of days earlier. Uh, we will talk about that um, later on. Though. We, we'll move on to the, competitor, uh, the continental um, stuff. But gents, any sort of personal highlights from, from the weekend's football, if you can remember it already as we're recording on Friday evening? Uh, Argentina Boca was, was a lot of fun. It looked for a moment that the Argentinos were were going to pit that one and get to the final, but ultimately, Boca came through. They they were made to sweat, I think, in the final minutes, if, uh, if I remember rightly. Argentinos came on very strong, uh, and that was, uh, of course, the last game in charge for um, Diego Dabobi, who, true to form, is jettisoned his club just before they have to play the Libertadores because. He apparently has a phobia of that competition. <laughs> and he was or has, I haven't been keeping up with it today, he's going to either Independiente or San Lorenzo now, am I right? Or, or not, neither? I don't know if anything's been confirmed. Admit, I've not been keeping up with it either. Um, I just saw the uh, tweet, on a, the tweet, the message on our, our WhatsApp uh, group from, was it Santi yesterday? With Independiente's new manager being who was it? Somebody <laughs> he wasn't very pleased with. Uh, ah, yeah, right? Lavachin, right? Yeah, yes. the this, Diego Coca lookalike. Hmm. Yes, but they That's are still line. still a favorite script, I think, for for the world members. Uh, they have a, had a meeting with Lavachin, and they are still to define who will be the next coach. It's probably worth talking about San Lorenzo actually while we're in the topic of the domestic league because things. Um, very well there, we can say, right? Indeed. I mean, in a way, when are they ever? Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, it, it's been um, quite tumultuous. Do you want to fill us in now? It's mostly seemed to be circulating around the Romero twins, Oscar and, and Angel. I almost forgot the second one. Um, who have just turned into a terrible twosome for San Lorenzo pretty much. Uh, since they since they arrived there, they've been taught that um, that they've been injuring youth team players in training with horror tackles. They've been fighting with their teammates, um, demanding longer holidays, and then coming back on on private jets. and And then this week, after after getting tanked four one by Banfield, it was Ignacio Piatti who came out um, and did probably the best interview anyone's ever done with. Uh, with a serving professional footballer and just absolutely destroyed them, saying that they're pretty much the worst people in the world. Um, that was uh, the gym, that's what I took from from the interview. And I was talking about this actually with um, with another mate of mine who I go to wrestling games with. Remembering um, back with, in Oscar Romero's stint at Racing, where he was admittedly one of my favourite players. I loved him. Um, how he played and what he did for for Racing, um, and he he didn't say boo to a goose in about two years, and we're like, what the hell's happened to this guy? Now he's you know the bad boy of Argentine football, and we, we concluded that the son of a bitch has to be Angel out of the two. Um, he seems to be a very bad influence on on his little brother, possibly. I don't know if he's little or or big brother. I'm not sure of the order. Uh, in which they came out of the the birth canal there, uh, but in any case, he he definitely seems to be the the evil the evil twin of the pair, the um, the Hugo Simpson, if you like, rather than Bart. I know it was the other one, Bart's the evil one in uh-huh. the Simpsons. Carry that's on. Fun. Uh, no, that's about it. Um, another crisis for San Lorenzo. Another sack coach. I think that makes it. About ten in the last two years, uh, as a conservative estimate, um, and yeah, I'm just not really sure what's what's going on there with um, with that club. Uh, they seem to be determined to rival Independiente as the Grande with the most crisis on their hands, and you know they're competing for sure. Indeed, yeah. Um... It's 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 a shame in a way. Well, it is. A, it's always a shame anyway. But it's it's a particular shame for the moment that Mariano can't make it along uh, these days to to fill us in on uh, on what's going on there because I'm sure he'd have a few choice words with the situation. Um, but thank you for the primer uh, for that one, Dan. Um, as you said, Argentinos versus Boca was was very entertaining, and it was. I thought it could have been made a bit more entertaining if River hadn't gone down so limply to Independiente. Um, but obviously oh, after shit. having lost the first leg of their Libertadores semi-final 3-0 um, and with the second leg coming up afterwards, they, they were really much more focused on that. They sort of put in a bit of a token effort uh, in the first half. But after that, by the time they were, I think they were 2-0 down before half time, weren't they? Um, oh yeah, that's right. Of course there were two long-range strikes from Alan Velasco, the second one of which was Franco Aramani. Um Not the best attempt at a save that he'll make in his career. Um, the first was a cracker. Mm, it was, yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, but that kind of, it, it sort of killed off the drama in the other game. Well, it, 
it didn't, it didn't, because it, it turned the other game into a straight shootout. You know, it was going to be between Argentinos and Boca. Um, and, and meant that we could focus more on that. Unfortunately, Argentinos did manage to rally and to turn it into some something entertaining because otherwise, it you know, Boca held them at arm's length throughout, then it might have been a bit more um, dull as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's um, it, it wasn't quite as dramatic a finish as it, it might have been if there'd been a bit more competition going on. And the other thing that we need to mention about that. Uh, is to apologise to our Patreon fans because we recorded a special last month um, on times that Argentine one Argentine club has, in inverted commas, hosted the other in the away team's own stadium because we assumed when the fixture list came out for the Fase Final that um, River were going to be at home to Independiente and Independiente Stadium. Unfortunately, for once in Argentine football, common sense... Um, one out and River actually played and uh, at home in Banfield Stadium uh, for that match, not in Independientes, therefore rendering that special completely useless. So sorry, Patreons, but if you want to get in on the Patreon action, you can go to patreon.com slash hand of pod and uh, get lots more extra content, which may or may not be actually relevant to what's going to happen in a month's time. Um, on Sunday, we had the other, well, we had the Arsenal de Sarandi versus Oracan, um match and then we also had the other matches from the other groups um and again these were also kind of rendered somewhat moot in the end um by oh this is the old bloody ah there we are by banfield's uh very comfortable win over san lorenzo had that been a little more edgy um then it might have uh well it would have been affected by the fact that tacheres managed to get a win away to colon um and and give us some drama there as well on on split screens or watching on second screens or whatever we were doing. Um, but unfortunately, Banfield, well, unfortunately for those of us who just wanted to see some drama, Banfield were very, very impressive against San Lorenzo. Dan's already pointed out that San Lorenzo are in a, a very dark place. But we said before um, the weekend that we suspected that Banfield would get a fairly comfortable win because they've just been really solid throughout this copper. And although they ran up the score late on with two very late goals from Martin Pachero and Juan Alvarez, um, to to make it four one when they previously they were two one up sort of almost going into stoppage time, um, it was a, a really a deserved win and I don't think overall that San Lorenzo can have too many complaints about the scoreline even really. Anyone? Moving on. Uh, <laughs> Um, to be honest, I didn't saw the game, so... Uh, no, that's fine. Lot, that's cool. That. Uh, moving on. Um, the do, Are we going to talk at all about the, the participation round, gents? What do, what do people think? All i say is that Racing actually played a decent domestic game. Uh, the, and the first decent game of football they've probably played since the Libertadores group stages. So that was good. Uh, sent Bekasizi off with uh, with a bit of a bang, a bit of a flourish. Uh, yeah. So we were happy. Oh, and we've got uh, Racing, I should say, have uh, a new coach too, uh, Juan Antonio Pizzi. Oh, of course. So yeah. Just to update people on that, because I know you were all desperate to know who, just who would be uh, replacing Bekasizi. The answer is Pizzi. And how do you feel about that, Dan? I mean, I'm not... Uh, 
a huge admirer of PC. But then again, you know, you're talking about a guy who's won the the Argentine League with San Lorenzo. He's he's won the Copa America. So you know, some something he's doing right. Um, he hasn't succeeded at every job, of course, but. You know, we'll see. We'll see how he goes. He's going to need a couple of new players, but you know, cautiously optimistic um, as usual. Also, Dan, you also have a replacement for Diego Milito, right? Ah, indeed, yes, Robin Capria, el mago. And what do you think of him? I don't know. He's all right. Um, <laughs> He had a guy at Atlanta as a coach. I think that was his last job in football and it went absolutely terribly. Um, so let's hope he does better at racing. I think really you can say he's, he's more of a ceremonial uh, appointment than Melito was. I can't imagine him doing anything particularly revolutionary or uh, kind of integral as, as Melito tried to do with uh, racing's entire scouting and... Uh, youth development and transfer system. I think he's he'll be there basically to to put a pretty face on on Rassi's transfers. But as long as he doesn't do anything particularly hideous, uh, fine. Let's see how he goes. Big boots to fill, but you know, as we were yes. discussing a week or two ago, it's a, a strange situation, really, where we get to. I guess this is where we begin to see what direction Racing's board are, are going in with Milito having, having left. You know, whether they're aiming like for the continuity or, yeah. I don't think there's any particular direction. It was, you know, oh, this guy played well for Racing back in the day. Let's see if this will keep the fans happy. Mm, indeed. Maybe it will. Who knows? And Tony, that, how have you... Sorry, Andres, go on. Yes, no, I was uh, going to ask whether, whether Capria was the one who chose Pizzi because... Uh, uh, I think that in Independiente it was the other way around when when Burruchaga uh, uh, took over as a manager or as a, a sports secretary, uh, um, Pusini was already there, so he wasn't able to choose the the coach he wanted. I don't have the faintest. Uh, Tony, what have you made of Union's performances in this um, competition? Uh, overall, I think that some games uh, won't take as seriously as they should, uh, given the possibility of keep progressing in the Copa Sudamericana. And there are some issues tactically that need to be fixed, and they won't be fixed with better players, only with another coach. Uh, and so I don't think they're going to be really fixed in the near future. Uh, I just heard that there was a guy playing for Coquimbo, I think, coming in a free, and I was like, okay, more like garbage coming. That's nice. Um, mm. I, mean, I mean, I don't mean that the guy is actually garbage. I never saw him play, but, you know, it's, it's not like a sign of improvement for the future. So I think we're going to continue to see Probably entertaining games because most of the games were open scoring, including the game against Defensa Justicia, and they're like 5 4, something like that. Um, but I, I don't expect it all, honestly. And the, the performance was sometimes good, sometimes bad. Yeah, I mean, really, I, I didn't catch it, but I'm guessing really quite poor um, this weekend. Just gone if you're losing at home to 
to Patronato, then that's not great. Yeah, I mean, even in the in the uh, during the the broadcast, it said Patronato only scored once in all the games before, and they scored two that day. So <laughs> there's something wrong in that part, clearly. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Um, I'm trying to work out what else we can say before we take a break, gents. Let's let's preview the final, shall we? That seems sensible. Boca Banfield. Annoyingly late on Sunday night. I suppose it frees up Sunday during the day to do stuff, but still, I wish it wasn't going to be finishing at midnight. Um, I think, given the way that they have both been playing, that I'm going to make Banfield the favourites for this. Um, but at the same time, Boca are going to go into it. We'll obviously, as I said, already discuss the continental competitions fully after the after the break. But um, as I hinted in, in my intro during the theme music, uh, we don't have Argentine representation in the Copa Libertadores final. Um, and I think that Boca are going to go into it quite determined to, to rescue something from these few months of uh, sort of, break between lockdowns is it going to turn out to have been um, and, and you know to lift a trophy but I do think the Banfield have just they've got a bit more momentum behind them um, for me I don't know what anyone else thinks I think Banfield has everything more clear than Boca uh, I mean Russo will have serious problems to, to build the team since the way they had lost against Santos and um, uh, there was of course there are things that are said that uh, perhaps uh, they have to discuss uh, in the in the dressing room, but uh, it looks like if they, if if Russo uh, decides to to uh, make a starting lineup with with the players that haven't been playing, like for example Mauro Zarate, Cardona, who were both uh, um, demanded for the other day, and and, and Russo uh, didn't uh, uh, made him jump in, into the into the into the match a single minute, or if he tries to make the, the players that lost to Santos again and try for them to, of course, uh, turn over the, their, their image that it, it, now it's very quite damaged. So uh, for Russo, it's a big problem. And I think for in, in Banfield side, for Sanguinetti, things are quite easier, at least at, at, at the, in the point of view of the, of the team. And, and like you said, how they, how they have been playing recently. Yeah, I mean, Banfield's um, record in this competition, I'm just trying to bring up their their matches so far. Um, since the start of the competition, when they beat River, didn't they? 2-1, 3-1 on the opening day? 3-1. Um, oh, no, that's last season's league campaign. Give me a second. Yes, 3-1. Um, in Independiente's ground, they've, they've racked up, let's see, overall in both sets of groups, they've got three wins, four, five, six, seven, seven wins, uh, two draws, two defeats. One of those defeats was against River to ultimately finish um, second. In, well, it was the, the win for River that sent River top of that group after the slightly rocky start. Um, and then they ground out the results they needed there. But then in this, you know, in, in the other group, Apart from the three-two loss to Tacheres a week and a half ago, um, they've not had anything to to worry about. Really, it's been sort of largely at, at arm's length. Um, and yeah, they've just, as, as you say, Andres, they, they look like a very together side. It'll be interesting to see whether they can 
carry that form through to the to the league championship that's going to be starting next month. And they have this like a mix, a great mix of uh, young players with some experienced, and but the the only one who has more than 30 years, uh, at least the other day against San Lorenzo was Fayamo Bordagaray, just the former San Lorenzo striker with 33. The, the other 10 men are only are all of them. Uh, 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 down 30, even when they are not, uh, I mean, 17, 18 years, it's like uh, Sanguinetti found a team with uh, with uh, players from the club and some other players, but with uh, in the end, they, they, they are a really balanced team with, uh, uh, I think, clearly the best team in the, in the Copa Maradona. Yeah, and it's clearly, a, a, I think, a, a deliberate choice to have those players in the starting lineup as well, isn't it? Because you've got some Seriously, old player. I mean, Jesus Dátolo on on the bench and Jonas Gutiérrez. Uh, you know, he's got older players to call on if he wanted to. Um, but they were, for instance, both of them were unused subs the other day, and and significantly younger players were coming on instead. Um, so I think it's a good point that you make. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, he seems to like he's trying to build something um, there, and they've kind of on hand of pod at least they, they've largely flown under the radar. You know, we have mentioned plenty of times that they're playing well but we haven't really taken a, a good look at them um so yeah and it, it'll be um it'll be interesting but i, I think I'd, i'm going to make banfield narrow favorites i'm going to go for let, let's do score predictions gents um i'm going to go 2-1 to banfield andres um i don't know it, it will be penalties straight if they are If there is a draw, not oh, that's, uh, that's a good question. I assume so. Because if, if so, I think there will be penalties, and I don't. I will risk a, a winner there. Uh, because Boca, even when they are, of course, well, we will say that, that Manfield is clearly playing better, but Boca will have to win that, not to be, well, uh, it's like uh, try to win something at least. For the supporters and, and well, of course, the, the players also will, will uh, have now uh, we more even more willing to win than than they than before the the semifinals of Copa Libertadores that they, that they lost. Uh, Dan, uh, I'm gonna go against you too. I'm afraid. I think that Boca are gonna come out absolutely raging after what happened uh, on Wednesday. Uh, I think they've got the talent and they'll have they'll have enough to, to see off Banfield. I can't see them losing this game. So I will say it won't be, you know, it's not going to be a thrashing, but I'm going to go 2-1 Boca. That's my prediction. Tony? Mm, I'm going to go weird. I'm going to say the Banfield will start winning 1-0. Boca will go up 3-1. Then Banfield will draw 3-3. They'll go to penalties and Banfield wins. <laughs> Very Excellent. specific. <laughs> if, you, if you just ignore the, the score lines and go with the results then, listeners, you've definitely heard a correct prediction of what's going to happen at some point on Sunday uh, because we've all gone for different things. Um, so I'm hoping Tony's go. thing happens. Because oh, yeah, that would be I'm my father. for the today. lottery numbers. Yeah, I mean, if we stay that late, at least make it fun. I, don't know. I couldn't agree true, more. True. Um, Tony, before we go to the break... Um, Let's get this in, in in the first half for a change because it deserves to be there. Uh, can you fill us in on what's been happening in the women's 
I was going to say league, Sorry. but it's a competition again, isn't it? We've done yeah, this before. Yeah, tournament. Yeah. Um, since the last time I was in Han of Bud, the World Quarterfinals, uh, semifinals and finals, to make it kind of short, uh, the semifinals were played by the four big teams, or the four strongest teams, which was uh, Boca against Lorenzo, the Boca won 1-0, uh, 2-0, uh, sorry, and River against Guayurquiza, they ended in penalties, and River won uh, that um, draw in, in penalties. Uh, so there's going to be a super classico, uh, at least on the women's side, um, for the final, for the, the, the decisive match of the tournament, they will be played on Tuesday, for some reason, uh, couldn't play on Saturday, apparently, or Sunday. Well, you know, the the men's televised football is going to be taking up the entire weekend, what with there being two oh, yeah, matches well, played at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, so it's Tuesday at 7 o'clock Argentinian time uh, at Vélez, which that's a good part because it's going to be playing an actual stadium. So that makes me a little bit happy. Um Quickly, I'm going to say that Dalili Hipólito scored for the first time uh, for Juventus in um, the Copa Italia match. Um, I don't remember if I said this, but Mariana Roquette moved to NWSL, and there's uh, some rumors that another Argentinian player might go there. Um, this one is playing right now in the in the Argentinian league, which is Lorena Benitez, and yeah, I don't remember if I have something else to add on the women's game, but that will be a quick recap. And yeah, I'm excited about Tuesday because there are two good teams that play good football. So that's going to be interesting. So River Boca, seven o'clock Tuesday evening. Would you like a quick roundup of the Primera Nacional to Sam, since that regular yes, season on, weird thing? Uh, so this weekend, we, fit, we start the playoff phase of this very strange tournament. Uh, it, and by, by tomorrow evening, we'll have a new team in Primera because Estudiantes de Rio Cuarto are playing off against Sarmiento de Junín. They were the two championship zone winners. Estudiantes de Rio Cuarto got there in kind of shady circumstances with a 4-0 win over Agro Pecuario. All of the four goals coming in the second half, and in that manner, they pipped Platense, who won 2-1 against Temperley and lost out on goal difference in the end because of those four goals. And there's been a little bit of suspicion that the two soy-producing clubs, Estudiantes and Agropecuario, connived to, to send the former through to the final. Uh, I'm obviously not going to make any comment on that. Um, so the winner of that game will go up to Primera for this year and the second, the losing team, will go into the playoffs, um, which also kicks off this week, this weekend with a whole load of matches. I'm not going to go through all of them because that would be boring. Uh, one game I will uh, mention because it's just taking the piss really at this, um, at this stage in affairs. Uh, Atlanta and San Martín de Tucumán, the two teams who finished top of the actual season before it was all scrapped because of coronavirus and more pertinently because of because of AFA, uh, they play each other in in the first round of the playoffs, which means that the two clubs, which probably have more of a, 
a claim to promotion than any. Only one of them will have any hope of going up, and even at that, a faint one, by the time uh, this weekend finishes. They play um, on Sunday, 5, 10pm. That's probably why um, Boca and Bamford are playing so late, actually, because of the lower league playoffs, which are on TV and whatnot. Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. Okay. So, I'm looking at these uh, tables on my on my, on my phone app and trying to work out what on earth they mean. So, Estudiantes de Rio Cuarto and Sarmiento finished first in Group A and Group B, respectively. Yes. So, they are playing the final, and the winner of that will be the Primera Nacional champions for the season and will go up to next year's Liga Profesional de And then the playoffs are... Oh, okay. So it's it's just a, a sort of right. It's 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 like like we do it in England, except that it's split into. Oh, I see. Right now, that's the that's the bit that's confusing me. The fact that Sarmiento and Estudiantes won their groups in phase one, and we've since had phase two. Yes. So San Martin um, and, and Barracas were top two in Group A, and Quilmes and Instituto were top two in Group B. And I can't see. Oh, yeah, Quilmes are there. Right. Okay. It's fabulously confusing, this, isn't it? Hideously confusing, yes. Mm. And then and then after this uh, round, I think uh, Platense and Rafaela enter in phase three, or whatever they decide to call it. I see, right. Ah, right, yeah, for winning their... Um... No, not for, for winning. finishing second in their groups. For finishing second in their phase one groups, yes, to, yes. to Estudiantes de Rio Cuarto and Sarmiento. God, bloody hell. I mean, this, <laughs> yeah, and this is, the, and this is the same structure as all of the lower division teams are, are doing, and we should know this because we did go over it in a hand pod extra a couple of weeks ago, but I, I still can't. It was one of those things where you've got to see it in action before you actually understand what's going on. Um, yes. Anyway, thank you very much for that, Dan. That's all right. On that note, we're going to take a very short halftime break. Um, to refill glasses and I'm going to get myself another slice of cake um, we will be back in a few seconds and we will talk about what happened in the Copa Libertadores semi-finals and what happened in one of the Copa Sudamericana semi-finals and what is still happening in the other one um, because there have been developments about something that we talked about and laughed at a bit last week don't go away Okay, welcome back. In the Copa Libertadores, we had the chance of an all-Argentine final, but ultimately it's going to be an all-Brazilian final in the Maracanã on the uh, second-to-last day of this month. Um, The two second legs were both uh, fairly comfortable victories if you look at them as individual matches, but they were quite far apart in terms of the entertainingness, entertainment value um, of each of them because of the fact that the the first legs have been so contrasting as well. Um, 
Palmeiras, of course, went in uh, at home against River with with a very comfortable lead from the first leg, 3-0. You suspected that if any team in recent Libertadores history was capable of overturning a result like that against a team as solid as Palmeiras, it was River. And they came quite close. They were 2-0 up at half-time. They thought that they'd gone 3-0 up in the second half, um, but ultimately a, a stray leg saw Gonzalo Montiel's fantastic goal ruled out for offside um, in the build-up. Um, they then had two penalty calls turned away um, later on in the half and ended up going down fighting, but still going out, um, 3-2 on aggregate. Uh, the following evening in Santos, Santos, uh, who drew nil-nil, of course, in, in the Bombonera last week, um, took a relatively early lead through Diego Pituca about 15 minutes in and then scored twice in really very quick succession uh, fairly early on in the second half to ultimately put the game beyond Boca. From that point on, um, it never really looked in doubt. So we have one, as I say, thoroughly entertaining game and another which was unfortunately a little bit of a, a damp squib in terms of the fireworks. We will begin, though, by looking at Palmeiras versus River, Andres, I guess that after that performance, you're probably about as happy as it's possible to be about a, a Libertadores elimination. Yes, of course, uh, it's something that you can't celebrate uh, because you are out of Copa Libertadores when you think you deserve to be in the final. But, well, uh, numbers are numbers. Goals are goals. And if you score less goals than your rival, you are out, of course. Um, but, yes, uh, River did everything possible to to uh, uh, at least go to penalties. They almost did, um, playing as uh, perhaps we are used more to, to watch from River, uh, uh, except for this, uh, la- the last matches, the, the, of course, the first round against Palmeiras, which wasn't bad in, in, in uh, talking about the, 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 the play itself, but with, of course, very expensive individual mistakes that now... We can talk that they, those mistakes were the ones that uh, made River be eliminated. Um, but um, yes, uh, it's uh, like a bittersweet feeling uh, that I have or I had uh, the other day. Uh, of course, I can't I, I can't uh, complain about how the, the team played. It was uh, everything. I, I think that uh, I, I was going to say that uh, River will have. Uh, help to that to, to do something similar to what Liverpool did when they uh, eliminated Barcelona in the 2019 uh, Champions League was that they lost three 0 in the in the first leg. Of course, it was uh, home. Uh, they they lost away and then they they scored four uh, being home. But in this case, it was the other way around. But they they should have to do something similar and. Well, uh, if uh, uh, they score three goals and they could have scored another one, of course, the third one was disallowed. But they scored three, of course, then one wasn't uh, counted into the score. Uh, but yes, I think that uh, uh, I, I can't say anything about the... the, 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 uh, the that I think that everything they did or the players did to... To, to make the miracle possible, it was done. Uh, of course, they couldn't, and, and that's the shame, or that's the, 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 
uh, I mean, the, the sadness that on 30 of January we will don't we will not watch River but Palmeiras. But well, uh, this is it and, and it's football like everyone says, uh, and only one wins. But now the, the perhaps the most important thing and the the the, the there was like an uh, like a, uh, some kind of alarm for the future of the of the team because that there will be a lot of players leaving or at least it is said that there will be at least half of the team that uh, the players will want to leave and that will mean also Gallardo to think about leaving now or uh, perhaps by the end of the year when his contract ends. But about the match, well, I, I think that I can say more than what I have just said. The third goal uh, was offside or, or was that a mistake? Because I was I was uh, on a WhatsApp video of goal with my best mate during the game because he's in England and, of course, that meant he was able to watch it on the BBC. Um, it was controversial, but it meant that I, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I had the commentary muted because I was talking to him, so I kind of missed it until I looked at the... Uh, at our WhatsApp group afterwards, and saw Santi saying it come off a of Palmeiras guy's head. But I completely yes. really missed that when they were replaying it several times. I think what Santi uh, referred to is what to the play that uh, was flagged for upside uh, in the uh, penalty that wasn't uh, called for uh, uh, that, uh, okay. suffered by by Borre, I think it wasn't an upside. Uh, uh, the, the discussion was whether it was or not a penalty. I think. Uh, uh, because the the other one the, the the penalty that was called and then disallowed or or was after hitch one went to to watch at the bar was the the Suarez penalty which wasn't clearly but mm. after hitch uh, awarded it and then when Montiel was about to, to to take it then it was when he watched watched the play and and, and realized that it wasn't. Uh, but um, the the one who was more uh, that was I think seven minutes or so to to determine where, whether it was or not an offside was the the, the Montiel goal, uh, oh, okay. which was uh, apparently was Enzo Perez the one who hit the ball and made it. Uh, 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 then I think it was Nacho Fernandez who took it to or passed it to. To Ancelotti, then the, the, there was the cross from Ancelotti and the goal from Montiel. Uh, in the in the when the when the play started, it was said that Enzo Perez hit the ball, and that's why Borre was upside, because if, if the one who had hit the ball was the the, the, the the Palmeiras defender, of course it would have been upside. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you. That was a bit of confusion then because I couldn't see which yes. bit of the game that Santi was uh, referring to at the time. Um, but nice to have it cleared up. Uh, the following evening, then, Santos against Boca, as I say, ended up being a, a bit of a blowout. Boca really had a, a fairly decent spell in, in the second half of the first half, if you will, um, when they were 1 0 down. And, and, you know, an equaliser, obviously, at that point would have put Boca ahead on away goals. Um, so it wasn't, you know, like they completely capitulated. But after half time, they really didn't manage to to threaten Santos very much at all. Uh, they obviously got hit with that double body, but I mean, Santos scored twice in, I think, just over two minutes. Um, Jefferson Soteldo and Lucas Braga uh, with those goals. Um, and, and then, you know, after that, it's a, a case of keeping them at arm's length. But I was expecting a bit more fight from Boca. Um, I mean, you know, 
in a literal sense as well, because this is the Copa Libertadores, and they didn't even really offer very much of that. Well, they, no. they play but they play badly. But what is everyone saying is that they have no spirit, no soul, uh, and I think that they play badly. Apart from that, not only that they played with no, I mean, uh, it's like they are punching at your face and you don't rea uh, react. Uh, mm. But uh, I think the quality of the play, or, or I mean the way they played, is uh, uh, what I think that Boca supporters might be more angry about. Not about the, of course, if you don't run, it's of course it's it's uh, humiliating. But but I think that uh, they were never they were never in, into the match. Dan, what were you going to say? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um... Uh, what was most surprising about the game, I think for, we can all agree on that, is that it just didn't seem like a Boca Libertadores team because uh, we know Boca through the years, you know, they they might not win every year and and over the last few seasons, they, they definitely haven't uh, won the Libertadores, but they're usually there or thereabouts. Um, and this time they just they just went at the races, as you say. They, they didn't show much spirit. They didn't show any real fight at all. I think the only person who kind of reacted was Fabra in the worst possible way with a horrible stamp that got him sent off. Um, and you just felt possibly, you know, after after the first goal, they they showed a bit um, a bit of reaction and. And then once those those two went in, it was it was only going to end up one way. I think even after the second, there was just very very little Boca seemed to to be able or want to do, um, and it was very strange to see because I guess the only game I can remember where where you saw Boca kind of so pitiful in in a Libertadores knockout game, you'd have to go back probably to I think it was 2016, right when they got creamed by. Independiente del Valle in a horrible, horrible match. And but then this Boca team, you know, it doesn't they don't pull up any trees, but but it's a lot better than than what they had back in 2016. So very, very strange to see um in a, you know for a club like Boca who pride himself on never giving up, they just gave up. Um and I think that rather than the result is what's gonna hurt them. More because uh, you just can't lose like that with with just nothing offered. It's not good. Tony, any thoughts? I kinda agree on that one because Boca has been winning and qualifying without showing a lot of good football. So, in Santos, it's not like there were absolutely incredible in their display. So I think it's not so much, so much about what Boca could have done like in a footballing sense, but yeah, if they showed some willingness to run, <laughs> uh, maybe the result will be different. And the sensation will also be different because you can lose 1-0 against a team that clearly is not absolutely uh, head and shoulders above you but you made the effort to do it 
Um, and also, I, I think there is kind of a, re, a repeat of errors uh, from Boca side, from from the, from Boca perspective. Uh, beyond losing or not finals in the Copa Libertadores, they insist on bringing players that are a little bit closer to uh, either another level, like a, a step uh, down in level, or closer to retirement. I mean, there was there were rumors that were trying to get Boselli. Mm. I, I actually forgot Boselli was still playing football. <laughs> I mean, isn't and I think yeah, I need new, if new ideas. You ask, say, uh, you're asking the wrong question. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Boca needs new ideas in different levels and different perspective because they keep repeating bringing Miguel Angel Russo because they won a Libertadores like ten years ago. I mean. It's, it's, it's that actually the, the plan you, you're thinking about? I don't know. Uh, I think Boca needs, needs to actually like dances to, to, to uh, ask the proper questions to, to solve why they couldn't crack it because they're trying to do this for what, like seven years with, with Guillermo Barros Esqueloto, uh, with, with, with Russo, and they just couldn't do it. It's a difficult one, I think, because you can almost um, look at the analogy possibly with, with Independiente, you know, a team who's had fantastic success in the history of the Libertadores and, and to a great extent, you know, their fans and their, um, and people associated with the club continue to, you know, cling on to this legacy of, um, of winning and, you know, to the detriment of actually thinking what's happening now, uh, which I think, for Independiente has done him a hell of a lot of harm and continues to do so. Um, obviously, Boca's successes came a lot more recently than Independiente's. Um, and, you know, despite all of their woes in, in the Libertadores, in continental competition, they do still, you know, regularly win um, national titles. They're, I don't know if they're the team that plays the best football in Argentina, but they're the most consistent they're the strongest, they've got the most depth, and if nothing goes wrong, they they probably will win every every title because they've just got a lot more tools than anyone else in the league. Um, but it's clear that just appealing to the mystique of the Bianchier, um, appealing to the history of previous wins, isn't going to cut it because, you know, the, the teams that win the Copa now are teams like River, teams like possibly Santos, who kind of know what football they they have to play and have an idea a, a consistent um, what a consistent strategy and that just seems to be missing for Boca because they they go out one one game you know pumping the ball over the top and looking for Ramon Avila to run onto it the next game they're trying to play possession through Cardona then they'll come out and put ten men behind the ball and just counter and. And then in the next game, they'll go on the front foot and, and try and get at teams. I mean, how do Boca play? Uh, it changes from week to week. And, and that's, that's not a good way to, to win big football games. It'll get you through a league season maybe because you're better than, than 90% of the teams in the league, if not all of them. But when it comes to the crunch um, and, you know, and you're put under pressure, you're given this challenge... You, you kind of have to know what sort of football you're playing at. And 
And that just seems to be something that no one in Boca, you know, aside from new coaches, new players, uh, no one seems to get that. It, it's kind of weird, kind of baffling to me why why they haven't proposed, you know, a real kind of deep think about what kind of a team they want to be. Well, I, I think that some of it is that it, it's sort of disguised, you know, the, the need for for change there is kind of disguised by the fact that really they've been, although they haven't won it, they, they, they've, they've been pretty consistent in the Libertadores over the last you know few years. I mean, the only reason I think that we're not saying, oh, you know, they've been unfortunate not to have won at least one copper in the last five years is that Gachardo has been at, at River and River have been in three finals and two semifinals and have won two of the finals they've been in. Um, in the last six attempts, which is, you know, an astonishing level of consistency um, for for any South American side, given that, as we've spoken many times on this podcast, given how often South American sides lose their best players to Europe or, you know, these days as well to North America and so on. Um, and so I think the sum of it is that some people at Boca presumably are looking at things and thinking, well, you know, it, the margins have been very fine and and, and they're not necessarily noticing there that in fact the margins okay the margins are fine in the sense that they're coming close to glory but also each time they they get near they are ultimately outplayed by a team who are who are outthinking them and 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 who have as you say a clearer idea of what they're doing um it's going to be interesting to see what happens now in the next kind of month or so between it's it's about a month isn't it before uh, oh yeah of course it is it's valentine's day um weekend when when then when the league season starts um, and we're recording this on the 15th of January. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next few weeks in terms of both River and Boca um, doing the necessary rebuilding. And as Andres says, River might lose a whole load of players uh, because really these are the two most consistent teams in South America over the last half decade. Um, and they've both got some some questions to ask and, and they're both going to be uh, doing some remodeling in the next little while. On that note, Copa Sudamericana. Uh, the semi-finals have begun. One of the semi-finals has ended. The other semi-final has not yet ended. Um, let's go to the All-Argentine semi-final. First of all, where Lanús ended up with a very comfortable aggregate win over Vélez Sarsfield. They won 1-0 in the first leg. And then uh, last night, was it? No, it was two nights ago. Good grief, I could have sworn this was last night. Um, in spite of... Vélez doing really the lion's share of the attacking and uh, Lanús at times seeming like they were struggling to get out of their, their half. Um, they got a 3-0 win. Just tremendously efficient stuff. Um, Tomás Belmonte scored right on the stroke of half time. Nicolás Orsini put them 2-0 up uh, with exactly an hour played and Alexandro Bernabé uh, made it 3-0 really late on for a 4-0 aggregate win. Um, am I the only one who caught any of this? Or did anybody else manage to watch it? I couldn't watch it, but I, as far as I can see, uh, Lanús, well, we, we have the two teams of the south of uh, uh, Gran Buenos Aires or two of the teams from there uh, in the finals, Banfield and Lanús, just the, arch, the, the, the rivals. And uh, uh, I think that they... I don't see. I don't know if they play similarly, but they have an idea which is similar. 
to to jo to join or to to mix players that are quite young to others. Well, Pepe Sand is the, the, the example, the more uh, I think the most uh, correct example of of uh, not young young players, but to mix those with the uh, with the with the kids. Uh, in fact, I think the third goal from Lanús was a, an assist from Sand for Bernabe, who is. Uh, um, I was going to say his age, and I, I don't remember, but uh, 19, 18, uh, no, 17, sorry. Uh, and uh, yes, that's uh, something that uh, uh, apparently is, is giving great results uh, for, for both teams, for Banfield and in this case for Lanús, who, well, uh, uh, I think that is, is quite, quite bizarre for them, as uh, perhaps they couldn't make it in the Copa Maradona, but uh, show great performance in the in the Sudamericana. Yeah, yeah, we should mention that a lot of this is, of course, out of necessity because uh, COVID, the, the lockdown, the interruption to the season, not having fans has, has caused great uh, hardships for, for pretty much every Argentine club. So uh, aside from, you know, the big guys who have a bit more, um, bit more behind them to... To pay salaries, what a lot of clubs like uh, Lanús and Vélez, indeed, who um, are in a similar situation, Banfield, what they've done is just keep kind of a core of experienced players and the rest, you know, just uh, hand it over to the kids. Uh, one guy who's been fantastic for Lanús is the, um, the young keeper, Lautaro Morales, who in both legs was um, was unbeatable. And, and I think if not for him... It could have been a very different result. Uh, Pedro de la Vega, of course, we've we've spoken about um, on many occasions. Um, just a player who's up there, I think, with the with the best in in Argentina, almost. He's or or at least he's going to be there in a couple of years if he doesn't go to Europe. Um, so yeah, it's it's probably not what they they ideally would like to do. You know, have half their team made up of under-21s, but it's a situation they're in. Um, both Banfield and, and Lanús, even before this, have, have had a very good record um, in recent years of bringing through young players. Um, and yes, it's good to see it's working because because if not, it, it could be very uncomfortable for for them with, with those constraints. Yeah, it, it has to be said that if you're a Rebellis fan, you'd have possibly felt slightly hard done by over the course of the two legs because they've completely dominated possession it had far more chances than Lanús in, in both matches. Um, and as you say, Dan, Lautaro Morales in goal was, you know, probably man of the match, especially in the second leg. Um, Beles, have, they, they have to improve their uh, their consistency and their, their, their ability to, to take some of the chances they're creating. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens again once the league season kicks off and once we've actually got some meaningful, with, with no disrespect, meant to the Sudamericana, obviously I'm talking about the Copa, Maradona here once we've got some meaningful domestic competition um, going again to see whether they can improve it because uh, they're, they're not looking on the same level at the moment as, as they were under Gabriel Heinze. Um but yeah so that's Lanús through to the Copa Sudamericana final what year did they win the Sudamericana in 2009 something like that more recently, I think it was with uh, Barosikilado. So 2012, be, I think it was. 2012, oh, 2013? I'm thinking of their league title, aren't I? Yeah, around 2008, 2009. Um, yeah, you're right. It's, it's been since we've been here. Um, 
so they're they're through to try and collect their second Copa Sudamericana. In the other semi-final, we told you last week about Defensa y Justicia having tested positive for COVID-19, or three of their players did, um, while they were in Chile, which meant that the first leg of their match away to Coquimbo Unido, for some reason, had to be moved to Asuncion in Paraguay. Um, and they had to; those players had to remain in Chile in isolation um, for a mandatory period. It was then later discovered, after we had recorded, uh, that those players were not, in fact, positive for COVID-19. Somehow, I'm kind of putting somehow in, in inverted commas here, because I think it, it's, you know, given what we know sometimes about how some teams in South American continental competition, you know, on away trips have to put up with flares or bands outside the hotel and all sorts of diplomatic shenanigans and everything, you know, the, the dark arts of South American football at work. I mean, three positive tests when you're testing, three false positive tests, I should say, when you're testing a group of like 30 people seems remarkably high. I don't understand statistically. I don't know how likely that is. Um, but, you know, the, the specificity good, really? the specificity of these tests is, is not fantastic, but it's not bad enough to, it's not 10%. Um, so it, I, I think that there is something something underhand has happened there. Um, but anyway, the first leg was played. It was played on the 12th, which quick little bit of head mathematics here, I think it was Tuesday. Um, and it ended nil-nil. Um, and really, I mean, I, I have to admit, I didn't catch it, but just looking at the numbers, it appears that Coquimbo Nino got away with that a bit. Um, the second leg, according to my phone app, which is not always the most trustworthy thing in the world, is being played tomorrow, Saturday, at half past eight at night. Can anybody tell me whether that isn't true? Sounds right to me. Okay. Um, which obviously the finals, you know, coming up in not too long. So it would make sense if they're squeezing it in, knowing that both teams have got a free weekend, uh, free of domestic competition. Um, so we will find out, you know, th- th- this this podcast will be online before then, but by the time some of you listen to it, uh, that time will already have been decided, unfortunately. Um, but we will find out whether we're going to have an all-Argentine Copa Sudamericana final in Argentina, of course, because the final is at the Estadio Mario Kempes in Córdoba, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that's that we shall now move on to listeners questions if I can find the browser on which I use the underpod twitter here we are Um, scroll down a bit I have to scroll down past our mentions today as well because we've had a couple in the last few days Uh, here we are Simon Clark just watched Palmeiras versus River in England he sent this on Tuesday night or Yes, must be Tuesday night. He's just watched it, wasn't, wasn't it? Uh, thoughts. Game was superb. River unlucky. VAR was probably right, but poorly executed. Rojas' second yellow was harsh. Palmeiras player not carded for similar on Borre in stoppage time. Why bother with assistant refs? Anyone got any comments about any of that? I, I agree, actually. I'd completely yeah. forgotten about that second yellow, but I remember thinking that it was a rather silly call at the time. Yeah, I think you could say one of the two offences uh, you could say would be a yellow, but giving them for both was probably another reaction. Indeed. Um, I've got a rather confusing one here, which is a 
reply to one of the questions we got last week, but it, it's mentioning me and saying, any news on Medina to United? I'm not sure what that means. Um, Medina? Yes, there's a player called Medina and he's been linked with United. Indeed. I mean, if they're asking me, I assume it's to Manchester United, but I can't think of any Argentine players called Medina at the moment. Let's so. try Mr. Google very... Facundo Medina could be, but it's strange. That would be Fac- really Facundo weird. Medina? Medina? Uh, Turning up anything, Dan? I've got a, a load of Methodist churches. Here we go. Uh, Facundo Medina in La Mira del Manchester United. Great. So appar- apparently they've been watching him. Okay. So, well, well. <laughs> that, that is the news. Um, we don't have any news, is the answer. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, he's not playing here at the moment, though, is he, right? He's playing uh, for Lance or Lens or however you say. I don't speak French, Lons. as you can tell. Lon, Lens, Lon. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, as a United fan, if you're asking for an opinion, I have no opinion because. I, I don't know whether he's playing well or not, but he can't be any worse than Victor Lindelof, can he? Um, Bud Bundy says, how did Paul Fernandez fall out of favour and why has he not returned to Cruz Azul? Anyone want to field this one? Something to do with the contract, I think, um, or that Boca initially wanted to sign him on a permanent deal and he wasn't sure, he wanted to hold out for more money, so Boca just turned around and said, oh, fuck you then, you're not going to play, you're not going to play for us anymore. And then I don't know if Cruz Azul couldn't register him in time for the for last season. I don't know. Uh, they could have done with him though because their midfield was was pretty uninspired. And and I, I remember especially in the first half of the year uh, when he was playing in the Superliga, he he did give um, Boca a bit of a spark. I mean, he's not you know he's not a world beating player, but he does some interesting things every now and then. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Jason Longshaw, who would be your picks for the manager of the tournament in the Copa Diego Armando Maradona? I mean, it has to be Sanguinetti, doesn't it? You think mm, so? Dabove? Yeah. Yes, Sanguinetti. Sanguinetti and, and Dabove will be. Uh, my Dabove picks. did it. Yes, that's a good. Dabove's a good yeah. shout, actually. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just. Just remembered I need to be retweeting these as I ask them, so I'm just going back and retweeting yeah. the previous one. Definitely know that's Gonzalo. So, no, no, I think we can. Uh, uh, Jonathan Gleason, how strong are the links between Sarmiento and Manchester City group, club, etc., and Santiago Sosa to Everton? I don't know. I mean, I, I medium strong. Um, I was about to say that I heard more of the ambulance in the background than of the links. So. Yeah, I wasn't sure whether that was at my end or. Or someone else's. Um, but yes, indeed. Uh, we'll go with Dan's there. Medium strong. If Dan says it, that must be right. Um, Jonathan also asks, any thoughts on Thiago Almada? Will he move to Europe this summer? Uh, presumably it means European summer rather than right now. And if it's the City Football Group, is that bad news for these kids' career development? I mean, overall, so far, City Football Group don't seem to have a particularly strong record at bringing kids through, at least to the Manchester City first team. Um, they might improve that, you never know. Uh, Almada, I mean, you would think it's going to be this year, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, you can't see Villas holding on to him if a decent enough offer comes through, that's for sure. 
No, indeed. And I mean, he's the... certainly he's been mentioned, you know, linked related to. I, I as you listeners can probably already tell, but I've largely given up going on football Twitter these days, um, apart from when we're recording. But I, you know, even I've heard him mentioned with in relation to various uh, Premier League clubs and one or two others as well. So, Andres, sorry, you were going to say something. Yes, no. That uh, in these cases, I think it will. It, it it has to do with the pressure that the the the, the player uh, does to, to in order to 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 live or not. Uh, sometimes they they uh, renew their contract so that they can be sold and, and leave money in the club. But uh, uh, now they they have the power to decide uh, more than, than than before. And if Almada wants to live, he will, and and that will be key, I think. Perfect, Tommy. Who are some players that really impressed you during this tournament? Christ. I think all of, almost all of the Banfield team, Chileno uh, <laughs> Galopo, uh, well, Cuero has already impressed, but uh, I think this, yeah. this tournament, he was also great. Uh, then, well, Pachero and Fontana were also uh, uh, quite uh, key in, in, the, in the Banfield uh, ticket to the final. So, yes, uh, Arboleda as well. Um, yes, I think I said after the after that three-one win against River on the opening weekend that I seem to remember praising Arboleda earlier in the seasons, or sorry, at the start of various championships in the past as well, at least twice. Yeah, I remember him having really good games in like the first or second round, and then seeming to fade. But this time, um, he's he's remained superb throughout uh, behind a, a fairly solid defence. I mean. Then, then Pochettino. Lots of, lots of clean sheets, but they've not been conceding very many either. Then some Tacheres also. Uh, Pochettino, I think, is another one uh, I looked and I liked. Hmm. It's not surely. Top score. Yes. Yeah. I'm slightly surprised yeah, Andres what? hasn't mentioned Federico Girotti. Uh, he scored a quite uh, a pair of goals. Well, the one against Boca was important, but. Uh, I think that he will be more important in the future. If, they, of mm. course, if the if the, if the team, if for example, Borrell leaves, I think he will for sure have have more chances. And I think yes, he should. I mean, the... he's a better finisher than Borre. And I, I think that one of Rivers' big yes. issues really is a is a lack of. They create lots of chances and they're not good enough at finishing them. And, and Girotti, from what I've seen, is a a more natural goal scorer. Borre is very good at leading the line, yes. but yes. It's more a proper number nine, I will say. Mm. Uh, a. Brady says, where do the two victories by Brazilian teams leave Argentine football? Anybody? Pretty much where it was, I think. Um, I remember way back in September, we were all hugely pessimistic about um, this coming Libertadores because the Argentine clubs were going into it with absolutely no football behind them and we were quite frightened that it was going to be be a total mess but I think you know two semi-finalists out of four um, is about half the course um, and you know River could well have made it with a little bit more luck and and not so many horrible errors in in the first match and yeah Boca pretty much just blew up but but there's still Boca and yeah, this time it, it turned out to be two two Brazilians, but but it was pretty well matched. And um, I think definitely what you can say is that Argentina and Brazil 
uh, they've always been ahead of of their contemporaries in in South American football, but now the distance is really uh, quite enormous uh, if you look at the results and and the performances. And yes, I I think that uh, the the last uh, final in which there weren't any Brazilian or Argentinian team was 2016, uh, the one that Dan mentioned as Boca being out. Being eliminated by Independiente del Valle. In fact, Independiente del Valle and Nacional de Medellín were the finalists there. After mm -hmm. that, uh, the last four Copa Libertadores finals were Argentinian and Brazilian teams, or Brazilian teams. Yeah, when in the, because Independiente del Valle put out Boca in the quarters River and then River in the semis, didn't they? Yeah. yeah um, no, the other way around, I think it was. Oh, was it? Oh, yes, of course it was. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jamie says next. It, it, I'm slightly disappointed in Jamie for asking this question because Jamie is one of our Patreon supporters. So he should already have the answers to this because we put it out Don't last answer. week. Don't answer it. But um, I, I shall read the question and then it's we'll just to go and listen to last week's episode. Yes. Uh, next next season, what do we know? What's the format? When will it start? Are promoted teams joining from the Bay? Okay, so we answered when will it start on the main episode last week, in fact. And I also answered it just a few minutes ago. Um, but Jamie won't have heard that yet, of course. Uh, it starts on the weekend of Valentine's Day. Uh, so it'll start on probably Friday the 12th of February. Um, the format and uh, the rest we covered last week in some detail on Hand of Pod Extra, which you, Jamie, have access to. Um, and we will obviously cover it in, in a bit more detail in an episode uh, shortly before the season begins as well. Our promoted teams joining from the B. Uh, well, we kind of already answered that one as well today as well, because Dan was telling us what had been happening uh, in the what's now called the Primera Nacional with no letter B, which is very confusing because the division below it is still called the Primera B, I believe. Um, but yes, there, there, will be, there will be teams promoted. So we're going to have a 26-team top flight, aren't we? Is that, that's yes. the right number. Yeah, that's right, yeah, because it's going to be two groups of 13. But um, go and listen to the pod extra last week, Jamie. Um, Perfect Tommy says, for Tony, how do, who do you like in the Ladies' Super Clásico on, well, he says Monday, but Tony tells us it's Tuesday. Tony, who do you think is going to win? Mm, tough one. Um, I think Boca has a little bit more talent and and something extra to may win it, but Rivers' coach is really, 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 really uh, clever to create a good tactic like he did against Wajurquiza, so that will be a tough one. But I'm going to go slightly with Boca. Okay. Uh, Guy says, which players in particular did Boca's Wednesday night embarrassment against Santos spell the end for their time at the club? Do I think Fabra's going to have a very hard time coming back. Uh, yeah. Not only was he dreadful, um, he then left his, his team with 10 men with a stupid stamp, stupid and, and violent, let's say. Um, aside from that, I mean, if it was only on on the evidence of uh, of Wednesday night, you'd say Salvio, but Salvio was really, really good until up to about what was it October, where he just yep. seemed to drop off a cliff. Mm. Yep. Uh, oh no, he scored the goal against uh, against Racing, didn't he? Um, but he wasn't quite as decisive as important as he was in the early stage of the Libertadores. I think that will play in his favour if Boca don't enter just complete panic mode and start um, start killing half their squad. Um, but Fabra definitely is gonna gonna be under the cosh. Um, 
the strikers generally. Uh -huh. I think. Saldana, I think he, he may live. Uh, the the, the, the Nacion generalized that cover or the, the follow-up Boca information said that perhaps all of the team could leave, which is hilarious uh, because Alexander uh, Lopez, you could you could say, well, yes, he was on the best defender, but if he does, I think he had a, a good performance. Uh, I don't see why he should leave, even when, of course, Boca, Boca lost, but, but uh, not all of the players were uh, rubbish all of the all of the year. Well, we know Carlos Tevez is staying put, right? Hasn't he recently no, announced that he's not going to be retiring? And that means he's staying at That football? was before the Libertadores disaster. Um, he oh. didn't talk after the game. He still hasn't talked. Um, and there is some... Go to China again. There's some murmuring that uh, that this could be it. We will we will see. Did you mention China, Tony? Was that serious? Because he seemed to have a terrible time there before. So. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not serious. But I would, okay. it wouldn't be that surprising. Just checking. Anyway, I suppose. Uh, Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, gets in with what looks like, as, as usual, Liam seems to be very consistent at asking what turns out to be the last question <laughs> in the episode. He has an alarm every six months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that the Gasharado era over, or will he stay for another rebuild? My feeling is that he'll see his contract through to December. And then Liam adds, stayed up to watch the second leg. River did everything right, apart from scoring more than twice. Frustratingly, the three VAR decisions were correct. Um... Andres, what do you think? Is Gachardo staying or going now? Uh, well, uh, what I read or what, what I watched uh, before recording is that the, 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 the board members or well, uh, the Nofrio and, and company uh, are trying to convince or to uh, make Enzo Perez stay as he openly said the other day uh, after the match ended that perhaps it was the, his last match at, at River. And that will be also key for Gachardo to, to be in the team, which I think that finally he will stay, but uh, it's only one year more than he, he should be by contract in the, in, in, the, in the club. And then, of course, uh, see whether he lives or not. But yes, I agree. I think he will finally stay. But of course, it will be... Uh, I mean, if, if uh, Montiel, De La Cruz, Enzo Perez, uh, Nacho Fernandez... Um, leaves and there are no players coming, that will be a different story. But I think that normally, if nothing or, or if this doesn't happen, uh, I think he the normal thing will be for him to stay. Mm. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how, if he does stay, how, how his departure plays into River's presidential elections in December, of course, obviously, because yeah. he's been linked with the Donofrio mandate for, for such a long time. Um, but yeah, there you go, Liam. And uh, well, unless Tony or Dan have any thoughts to add on that, but uh, you know, obviously, I directed it to Andres for a reason. No, no, how much? Yeah. And Liam has been beaten to the last question because 15 seconds ago, just before we started to wrap up, uh, Brenda Ferrari, who just missed out a couple of weeks ago on asking a question, just she she asked it just after we finished recording, um, has nipped in to ask how unlucky were River. Um, I mean, my my instinct answer is that they weren't so much unlucky, really, because, you know, two-legged ties are played over two legs and uh, where River really kind of shot the bed was in the first one. Yeah. Um, if, if, yeah, I mean, it was great how they came back and all, but you can't lose at home by three goals. 
Yeah, just no, exactly. Yeah, I agree. If, if they've managed to keep it together, you know, they're a strong enough team that when they were 2 0 up on, on Tuesday night at half time, I, I said to my best mate who I've mentioned I was on a call with um, that I'd, I'd kind of make them favourites at that point um, because the momentum was with them to such an extent. But really, they can't be uh, feeling too sorry for themselves after that first leg performance. Yeah, Andres, yeah maybe. Got to this one. If they were playing like in the second leg. In the first leg, mm. like, Indeed. that one, <laughs> not unlucky now. And that's it. Those are all of the questions for this week. So thank you very much indeed for sending them in, and thank you for listening to us for another week. We're now going to record some extra content for our Patreon supporters. Um, if you want to become one of them, remember you can go over to patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash hand of pod and uh, choose your level and sign up. Um, For now, thank you very much for listening and goodbye from Andres. Goodbye, thank you. From Tony. Goodbye, thank you. From English Dan. Goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye.